Hi there and welcome to the podcast. My name's Todd Fraser. This is another interview from the great series recorded at the 2021 ANZICS Clinical Trials Group meeting in Noosa, Australia. Joining me once again is Dr Aidan Burrell, an intensivist from the Alfred Hospital in Melbourne, Australia. Today he joins me to review progress of the SPRINT SARI registry, which looks at patients with COVID-19. Aidan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Todd. Aidan, about this time last year, I had the chance to chat to you about Sprint Sari and how it was gearing up for COVID-19. Can you briefly recap what Sprint Sari is? Yeah, uh, thanks, Todd. Um, so Sprint Sari is a, um, was a, is a prospective study um, looking at the um, patients primarily with COVID-19 um, uh, to... Uh, look at uh, surveillance and also um, uh, sort of observational data about how these patients um, were managed uh, in the ICUs around Australia. And it's a uh, project that has an origin way back in the uh, H1N1 um, pandemic. Um, clinicians uh, recognised the need for national registries or surveillance uh, studies that that could monitor the impact of of an outbreak um, across all the ICUs in Australia, and so some work has been done over the last ten years to build up some infrastructure um, to to actually provide that uh, that that um, that information. And um, we in two thousand in the beginning of two thousand and twenty, when the uh, COVID nineteen pandemic was just beginning, we uh, explored a whole lot of work um, and feasibility to see if we could um, build this and uh, and build this registry and we rapidly built it up over a couple of months in preparation for the pandemic as it hit Australia. Um, what sort of information are you now getting with the past 12 months worth of data? What is it telling us about uh, about the pandemic in Australia? Well firstly um, we've been incredibly lucky in Australia um, Compared to a lot of other comparable countries, um, we've had uh, just over 600 admissions to ICU with COVID-19 in Australia, and this compares to literally thousands and hundreds of thousands in other countries. Uh, so um, we've been very lucky, and uh, the total impact has been a lot less. Um, the patient population, we, we've seen um, two waves in Australia, and the the patient population has changed between those two waves. In the first wave, it was predominantly overseas travellers returning, um, uh, but with the second wave, as you know, there was an outbreak in Victoria in the quarantine system, and uh, there was uh, a lot more community spread, and the population changed somewhat between the first wave and the second wave, with the second wave being a little bit younger um, having a few less comorbidities than in the first wave, um, but also actually presenting a little bit later. And um, we've seen, uh, interestingly, the um, some of the treatments and some of the outcomes between wave one and wave two change as well as a result. That's an interesting point. Is there information that you're able to glean from a study like this that informs about therapeutic options that some of the therapeutic studies do not? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. You know, what is the role of these 
surveillance registries in in a pandemic. And I, I think there's a few really important, useful roles that it has. Firstly, it provides up-to-date information about which patients are getting sick and which patients are being admitted to hospitals and whether or not they're changing, like the example I just gave between the first wave and the second wave. Um, they also give us information about what sort of treatments people are having. And um, we saw uh, an interesting change between the first and second wave that the overall numbers of patients being mechanically ventilated fell over time. And I'm sure you recall early on in the pandemic, there was a lot of fear around uh, the how infectious COVID was and really patients who were coming into the ICU who were coughing and uh, looked like they were going to deteriorate were quite uh, early intubated. There was this preemptive intubation sort of mantra at the time, um, both because of fear of, of, of people catching it, but also because the outcomes that had been reported internationally were so poor that it was, it was thought that almost all patients would require that at some stage anyway. Um, what the Sprint Sarah Registry has shown is that the number of patients being managed um, with intubation and mechanical ventilation has decreased over time, and we've seen the uh, big uptake in the use of um, high-flow nasal oxygen and also um, non-invasive ventilation. And um, a, a registry like Sprintsari provides this up-to-date information and can give us kind of feedback. I, I guess a, a, a third and final point would be looking at other interventions that have occurred um, uh, you know, over time. So, for example, we, we had the publication of the recovery trial and what we saw in, in across Australia is that the uh, rapid uptake of this um, of this uh, information was translated very quickly into the ICUs of Australia, and over a, a single week difference, um, the the rate of using steroids in Australia was around thirty percent prior, and then the preprint was published, um, and the following week. 95% of, of, uh, of patients in ICUs were um, I started on dexamethasone. So quite incredible real-time feedback about what are the, the trends going on in the treatments. And, and, um, and yeah, so that, that's, I think, some of the really important things you can get from a registry like this. What are the plans for Sprint Sari going forward from this point? One of the, the, the major aims has been to uh, provide the data to anyone that is interested and to have it freely open. Um, so we have done a lot of collaboration with um, different groups who are interested in the data. We have um, a lot of local projects um, that are being used, for example, the ICU recovery uh, uh, study, the, the COVID recovery study, which is looking at the longer-term outcomes. We're looking at uh, kidney disease. We've looked at um, the impact of ICUs and volume outcome relationships. All of these studies are uh, sort of ongoing and, um, and going to provide really interesting local data. Um, we're also collaborating internationally with ISERIC, who uh, the UK consortium, um, who uh, have been really integral in the in the whole process for the Australian Sprintsari um, collaboration. And then also ECMOCART is another group that we're collaborating with. Aidan, thanks once again for joining us on the podcast. Thanks very much, Todd. Thanks for joining me on the podcast today. 
Get access to hundreds of great podcast interviews, modules, journal reviews, quizzes, articles, and more by downloading our free app. Search for My Osler wherever you get your apps or visit our website at oslocommunity.com.